So we're continuing our series. We're rounding third base. But we're continuing our series in the book of Philippians, and uh, which has been called the Epistle of Joy. And over and over again, we're talking about the components of maintaining joy. How many of you had a chance to lose your joy since we began this series? Let me see your hands. How many of you had opportunity today to lose your joy? There's great opportunities to lose your joy, and so we got to learn how to maintain it. And today we want to talk about the joy of setting and reaching God-inspired goals. God-inspired goals can bring joy to your life. In Philippians chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 14 with me. And we're just going to look at that verse and we're going to back up and look at some other verses. But verse 14, Paul said, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the goal. Paul was goal oriented. And if, you know, if you think about goals, goals can be described as the focus, the purpose or the aim of your life. Paul, as he used this analogy about boxing, hitting the air, he wasn't hitting the air. He wasn't swinging at nothing. He had a goal in life. He had an aim in life. He had a purpose in life. Amen. And Paul's goal or aim was to win the prize of the upward call of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I want to begin this morning by asking a couple of questions concerning goals. Number one, what's your goals in life? What's your focus? What are you living for? You know, everybody's got something driving their life. And really, if you can determine what's driving your life and make sure it's the right thing, you can tap into joy. But if your goal, your aim in life is the wrong thing, then you're in trouble. How many of you know that? Some people have no joy simply because they have no goals in life. They're not sure why they're living their life, why they're here. And, and you know, Job 7, 6, I, I, I like to remember this verse whenever I, I talk to people, counsel people, and it says this, my life drags by day after hopeless day. Ever felt like that, that your life was just a drag? You know, that describes a lot of people in life. Their life is a drag. You know, the worst thing to do is to, is to, uh, is to die before you die, is to quit living before you die. And some people... Their, their life is just a drag. And listen, whenever you don't have goals in life, when you don't have focus in life, your life is going to be a drag. Imagine with me if you played, how many of you play basketball? Let me see your hands. How many of you play football? How many of you in your mind you play football? NFL, amen. Or in your mind, soccer. You know, you think about these sports. Imagine what it would be like if you played basketball and you removed the goals. You played football and you got rid of the touchdown line. You played soccer and you got rid of those goals. Imagine how long people would be out there running like crazy when there was no goal. How many of you know that'll cause you to lose motivation? Amen. And you see, the problem is some people have lost motivation in life because they have no goals. They dribble in the ball, but they don't know where they're going. They throw in the ball, but they're not sure where. And so they have no focus. They have no direction in life. Listen, a life without goals is a life without joy. You need to have goals in life. Amen. 
Second question, are your goals that you set for your life significant goals? Are they significant? In other words, are your goals important? Are your goals meaningful and a good use of your precious life? How many of you know you can spend your life on goals that whenever it boils down to it, don't mean nothing? Come on, you ever been there? Some people have no joy in life because they have no goals. And some people have no joy in life because they have the wrong goals. You know, listen, I remember in high school, you know, you're a senior, you're about to get out of school and everybody's saying, what are you going to do whenever you finish school? And some are going to college, some are going in the, in the service, you know, different things. And they said, you know, they would ask me, Todd, what are you going to do when you finish school? And I remember, well, I guess I need to come up with a goal. And at that time, when I graduated high school, the oil field was booming. You could just get right out of high school, go to work at just the, the simplest, the, the, the meaningless jobs, and you could make $40,000 a year. Was well, a high school senior, that was like $4 million. And so I decided I'm going to go to work in the oil field and make a bunch of money. So that's what I did. No use getting a college education. You can make as much money as somebody with a college education. So I went to work in the oil field. And, you know, it didn't take long. I was making money. Got a brand new truck. Got a boat. Had money in my pocket. But one day I woke up. I reached my goal. But yet my life was so empty. I was discouraged with life. Because somehow my goal led me down a dead end. How many of y'all been there before? See, my goal was meaningless. My goal was pointless. And so, so here's the deal. Insignificant and empty goals will always leave you with an empty life. So you got to make sure, not that you just have goals, but that you have meaningful goals. That you have significant goals. Some people have no joy because they've not set goals. Some people have no joy because they have insignificant goals. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, I thought, well, this is a worthwhile endeavor. Spend your life making a lot of money. How many of you know I'm not the only one that's been down that track? But here's the point. When your life is fueled by God-inspired purposes and goals... Not worldly, but God-inspired goals. It's going to bring a tremendous amount of joy and fulfillment in your life. Whenever you're living your life for the right reasons. See, some people say, well, I go to church almost every Sunday, but I don't have joy. Question, what's your goals in life? What's your aim of life? You see, listen, this building right here isn't designed... To download joy into people. This building right here is just a place that we can gather so we can learn the reasons and the ways how to tap in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. So saints of God, it goes beyond just going to church. We have to answer the question, what am I living my life for? Amen. So let's talk about how to set and reach God-inspired goals. And I'm telling you, when you make that switch, you're going to tap into a new level of living. Amen? So step number one to reaching, setting and reaching God-inspired goals. Make a priority of finding out what God's purpose and plan is for your life. How many of you know God does have a plan for you? 
Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. You know what that tells me? I'm not an accident. You're not an accident. You're not here without a purpose. I'm not here without a purpose. God created everything with a purpose. Amen. So purpose means the reason for which something exists. You see, so listen, God didn't create us for no reason at all. God created us for a purpose. He has a purpose. He has a reason for our existence. See, some people live their life and they feel like they have no value. They have no worth. When you get a hold of this, when you understand this, you will never feel without value anymore. Because if the creator God created you for his use, then what higher value is there in life than that? Amen. Are y'all following me? God has a reason for your existence. Number two, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans. God doesn't just have a purpose. He's got a plan. So he's got a reason for our existence, but he also has a specific plan. He's got, he's got an agenda for my life and for your life. God has an agenda for us. See, and if you want joy in your life, you got to figure out what that agenda is. Find out God's purpose and plan begins by getting to know him. How many of you know that's where it all starts? You know, listen, Tanya and I are married. If I want to know what's, what's her goal, if I want to know what's, what's her purpose, if I want to know about her, I need to get to know her. The more I get to know her, the more I'll know what's in her heart. The, know, the more I'll know what's making her heart tick. And the more you get to know God, the more you're going to get to know what God's purpose is and what his purpose is for your life. Amen. Paul's life was fueled by the goal of getting to know the Lord. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's three goes that I may know him. That I may know the power of his resurrection and that I may know the fellowship of his suffering. See, above all else, Paul wanted to know the Lord. See, can I tell you what the greatest aim of your life is to get to know the Lord? It's to get to know the Lord. Listen, you know, I realized, you know, why was it? Why was it just making money fulfilling? Why, why is people that that are known all, all across the world? That play, that are actors in, in Hollywood and, and, and they have more money than they could ever spend in their lifetime. Why is it that so many of them are miserable? Because they haven't got to focus their life on the most important thing of life and that's to get to know the Lord. Listen, until you get to do what God created you to do, you're never going to enjoy life like you're supposed to. So listen, you can be a Christian, and if you get lost in life and you quit pursuing knowledge of God, getting to know God, you, your joy level is going to shrink. But the more you get to know God, the more you pursue God, the more your joy level is going to increase. Do you all agree with us this morning? It's true. So finding out God's purpose... Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I may know him. That was his, his life endeavor. Finding out God's purpose and plan takes effort on our part. So you can't just like pray a prayer to become a Christian and know what God wants you to do. The effort of following the Lord 
has to take place. How do you know what God wants you to do? That's the question. You know, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven, but what do, what does God want me to do? You see, you know, this is, this is something I found out about the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the goal of life. It changes. It changes from one season to the next. It changes from time to time. It's not like, like, you know, winding you up and then letting you go and you turn around in a circle until you run out of power and then they put you in your casket and they bury you. Say, oh, he was a good man. He did a lot of circles in life. How many of you know God's plan is greater than that? He's got some specific things for you to do. He's got some important things for you to do. He's got an agenda for your life. Amen. And so, saints of God, we need to figure out what that is. And we need to do that because that's going to give us the greatest fulfillment in life. So how do you get there? Well, number one, you find out by following the Holy Spirit's lead. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You know that word, walk by the Spirit? means walk in cadence with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. And see, the Spirit's design is to bring you where you need to go. And if you walk in step or in cadence with the Spirit, the Spirit is going to take you right to where God's goal is for your life. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul, you know, this guy wasn't a Christian, right? He was holding the coats of those that were stoning Stephen. And he was, you know, looking, he was a headhunter. He was looking for the Christians to torment them, to persecute them. And, and he was bad guy. And then one day he's blinded and he can't see. And, and then all of a sudden he recognizes, realizes what it is. And he says, and, 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 the, and there's a voice that says, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you doing your own agenda instead of my agenda? And he was, he was blinded. Somebody had to lead him by the hand. And then somebody comes to his house, said, the Lord sent me here to pray for you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. So he, was, he had hands laid on him. He regained his sight, but he also got filled with the Spirit. That was the beginning of Paul beginning to do the will of God. You cannot do the will of God. You cannot accomplish the goal of God unless you have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. Amen. And then there, then you follow Paul's story and he's getting ready to go to one city and he says, no, the Spirit is forbidding me to go to that city. I need to go to that city. And the Holy Spirit began to lead him. Listen, whenever you get saved, you become a Christian. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit's job is to, it's like a, it's like a guide to get you right exactly where God wants you to go. And sometimes you can be a Christian and you could be going this direction and the Holy Spirit will stop you and say, you know what I want you to focus on? I want you to begin to focus on your marriage right now. That is the goal for your life and when it pertains to my will. Oh, I don't, I've been married for 50 years. I don't want to work on that. If you want to do my bidding, that's what you need to do. How many of you know if you do what God tells you to do? Right? Sometimes you're walking along with the Lord and the Lord will give you instructions to do something that is totally, that is totally uh, absurd to many people. Like quit your job and get another one. 
Listen, when you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you're going to walk in the will of God. You're going to fulfill God's agenda for your life. See, when people ask me, Todd, what should I do? They want counsel. What should I do concerning X, Y, Z? And what I like to ask them is, what is God telling you to do? What do you feel God is telling you to do? Because the last thing I want to do is to tell you what I want you to do. I would be doing you a great big disservice. What you need to do is what God wants you to do. Because if you do what God wants you to do, instead of what Todd wants you to do, you're going to be living in the joy of the Lord. But you know what? Not only the Holy Spirit, but the Word of God. You need to make effort in learning God's Word. Why? Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word, God's word is like a flashlight. It helps you to follow God's agenda for your life. You see, people say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, listen, 95% of what God wants you to do is revealed right here in this Bible. And if you learn the word of God, you know what God's goal is for your life. Amen. And the more you learn what God's word is, the more you're going to do what God's goal is for your life. And you're going to be happier than everybody else around you. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, listen, God's word is like a compass. It's like a GPS. You know, I got a boat and you go boating, you go into the, into the Gulf, you go into the bay and you can't see what's below the earth's surface. Sometimes there's oyster reefs. It looks like it's this big body of water, but don't you dare go fast through that water. You'll hit an oyster reef, pull your motor off, you get thrown out and you're liable to just be buried right there. So you can't just go by what you see in the natural eye. But you know, they got this thing called a GPS. And it's already determined the, 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 the currents. It's already determined the passages that you need to run your boat on. And if you follow your GPS, if you follow your navigation system, it'll take you right through all this debris under the water that'll take your legs out from under you and get you to where you need to go. Can I tell you, they got some debris in life. They got some oyster reefs in life and it can look like any path is good. But if you take any path somewhere along the line, you might hit an oyster reef that's going to knock the motor out from under you. But the word of God will be like a compass, will be like a GPS. And it'll take you through the obstacles of life, get you right where you need to be. Amen. Are you all with me out there? The second step to setting and reaching God inspired goals. It's learning to press through trials and tribulations. Just because you decide, I want to reach God's goal, doesn't mean that's going to automatically happen overnight or without opposition. And listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which for which I also was laid hold of by Christ. Press on means to steadily pursue and stay on course despite difficulties and tribulations. And you know what I found? To do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to learn to persevere. 
Persevere is a must to achieve God's goals for your life. Because the enemy is not going to sit on the sideline and let you accomplish what God has for your life. Amen? We all want to grow and know the Lord better. We all want to experience the power of his resurrection. But see, not too many of us want the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And Philippians 3 said, he said, listen, in Philippians 3, 7, whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. But listen, count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. You know what Paul did? He endured many trials and tribulations in his quest to find and walk in God's goal for his life. But you know what? The more he pursued God's goal for his life, the more he said, you know what? The things I've lost along the way, I count them but rubbish. He counted it as nothing in comparison to knowing more of God. Listen, Pastor Nick and Emily are going to go to Boise, go plant a church. Do you know they're already encountering much opposition, much difficulties? Why? And listen, if you're going to do something for God, You're going to have to get ready to press through trials and tribulations. If you just want to sit on the pew and do nothing for God, the enemy's not going to bother you at all. But if you want to do something for God, if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God for God's glory, you can get ready to have hardships, trials, and tribulations. Amen. But you got to learn to endure it. You got to learn to press through it. Amen. And that's what the apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I understand. That part of the process is encountering suffering. We need to remember, though, while we go through trials and tribulations, that there's a purpose behind every problem. God has a purpose. Remember Romans 8.28. We know all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, the reality, the reality is not everything in life is good. Isn't that true? Not everything in life is good, but... God specializes. He specializes bringing good out of everything in life. Not everything is going to be good. Not everything is going to be blessed. But God specializes in taking everything that we go through and turning it around for our good and accomplishing His goal in our life. Amen? Enduring trials and tribulations is the path of God's power. If you want the power of God, you see, listen, we say, I want to know him. I pray that prayer, Lord, that I may know you. I pray that prayer, Lord, I may, that I may know the power of your resurrection. And then I'd stop right there. I didn't want to say, Lord, that I may know the fellowship of your suffering. But you know what the Lord revealed to me one day? He said, Todd, if you want to know me, and if you want to know the power of my resurrection, you got to be willing to go through the fellowship of suffering. you got to be willing to go through that. Remember what Paul learned. Remember he had this thorn in his side, this thorn in his flesh, and he talked to God about it. He said, hey, God, would you remove this? God didn't listen. He prayed about it again. God, would you take this thorn out of my flesh? God didn't listen. And he prayed about it a third time. Lord, 
It's uncomfortable. Would you remove this thorn from my flesh? And what did the Lord respond to him? He said, my power is perfected in your weakness. My power is perfected in your weakness. And he came to the conclusion, you know what? I'm beginning to glory in my tribulations. I'm 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 beginning to get pretty excited whenever I go through trials. Because I know that if I'm going through trials and tribulations, God is increasing his power in my life. Can I tell you something? You might be going through tough times right now, but I want you to be on the lookout for the power of God coming in your life. I want you to be looking for the blessing of God coming in your life because God's power is perfected as you persevere through trials and tribulations. Amen. So don't give up. Don't give in. Hold on and keep pressing through it. Go after God's goal. Amen. God's big purposes and plans require great power. Great power comes from persevering great trials. Amen. If you're going through a lot, God's got a big work for you to do. The third step to setting and reaching God-inspired goals is forgetting the past, moving forward. Listen to what Paul said in verse 13. I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He says, I forget what lies behind. Why did Paul want to forget what lied behind? Remember, he was the guy that was persecuting Christians. If there was anybody that had reason to feel guilt, to feel condemnation, to be beat up by the enemy for for going against God, it was this guy. But he said, you know what? I've learned to forget about what's behind me. I've learned to forget the past and to move forward. See, why did Paul do that? Because listen, focusing on past mistakes, failures, disappointments will sabotage your future progress. See, you know, sometimes, sometimes the only thing that's keeping us from the greater blessing of God is we keep looking to the past. We keep remembering the things that happened back there. And it's keeping us, it's sabotaging our future blessing. Listen, Paul's not saying to forget everything. We've learned some valuable lessons in some of the things that we did that was wrong, right? But we can learn valuable lessons from our mistakes. But what Paul is saying is, don't live in the past. Don't get trapped in the past. Don't let the enemy rehearse to you over and over again things that have happened whenever you were a child. Things that happened years ago before you even became a Christian. Come on, it's time to move forward. Amen. There's a greater danger. There's a great danger in holding on to the past. How many of you know that? It's a great danger. When God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that? He rained sulfur down on Sodom and Gomorrah. He told Lot, hey, get your family out of here. I'm going to spare you. Remember Lot's wife? The Bible says in Genesis 19, 26, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. See, listen, one of the things that we need to do is we need to quit looking back at where we came from and we need to go forward. Amen. We must let go of our worldly ways. See, some people, they want to go forward in God's agenda, but they want to hold on to Sodom and Gomorrah, so to speak. Are y'all with me? 
You see, Lot, you know, Lot was heading out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord's about to rain down sulfur on them. Lot's wife, and she's going with Lot, and she's wanting to get out of there. But something in Sodom and Gomorrah held her head, held her attention. Might have been a relationship. It might have been some pleasure that she was about to have to walk away from. Something turned her head, and when it turned her head, she became a pillar of salt. Genesis 29, 26. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. We can't live in the past. We got to let go past behaviors, ungodly relationships, worldly ways. Amen. Are y'all with me? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Holding on to the past will keep you from being useful in the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus said in Luke nine sixty two. He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you put your hands on the plow of Christianity, don't look back. Don't look back. I remember years ago, Brother Francis used this illustration. Whenever, you, whenever you're making a row, like on the tractor, the last thing you want to do is look back and see how your row's coming out. What you need to do is focus your, your eyes on a point somewhere, keep that tractor in one direction, that row will be fine. So listen, if you want your life to be a straight row, don't look back at your past mistakes. It'll discourage you and it'll cause you to want to just give up. Amen. Don't look back at your past disappointments. Don't look back at your past failures. Your failures are the past. Your mistakes are the past. Let that go. It's covered under the blood. If you're a new Christian, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. They're covered under the blood. You're not what you used to be. You are now a child of God. You got a new nature. Come on, press forward and do what God wants you to do. Come on, shake out that past. Put your hands on the plow and get after it. Amen. You know what? It might cause you to have to forgive somebody because part of your past might be that hurt. It might be that disappointment. And if you keep looking back at that hurt, you're going to start making a crooked row. Come on, let it go. Put your hand on the plow. Look at the high calling of God. Look at the prize God has for you. And keep on plowing. Listen, you know what? Even your past blessings can hold you back. Remember Israel? They were in Egypt. They were getting oppressed. They were, they were worked from sunup to sundown, had to make bricks all day long, couldn't even go to church. They were under such oppression. And God delivered them. They got into the wilderness and they had to eat manna. And they began to grumble and complain, man, in Egypt... We had cucumbers. I hadn't had a cucumber in a long time. We had leeks. We had all this stuff. And they wandered in the wilderness by looking back where they came from. See, some people turn away. They don't fulfill God's agenda because they keep looking back at what they had in the world, what they had in Egypt. And you know what? Israel was hindered from going in the promised land because they forgot what lied behind. Or they didn't forget what lied behind. Excuse me. You get that picture? You know, I, I, I was thinking about this and the past blessings can rob you. I remember 
I worked at Camco for like nine and a half years. Been there a long time, had seniority, had a good job, all that kind of stuff. Problem was I was, had to go offshore. You heard me tell that story. Made great money. The Lord impressed upon me to quit that job. Well, lo and behold, I found a job right down the road from Camco. I mean, like three, four doors down. Another all-field company. Well, I went to work there, Baker Hughes, and it was the totally, totally opposite of Camco. Instead of being on top of the seniority, I was at the bottom of the seniority. Instead of having a gravy job, it was a gravy. It was terrible. I mean, the people that weren't even nice to me, they were ugly. And they worked me like, like they were trying to kill me. And I remember just walking or driving past Camco. And I look at Camco. And I would just, I'm telling you, ser- true story. I would tear up. Oh, Camco. I got to go to Baker. I don't want to go to Baker. Lord. And one day I was driving to Baker, passing in front of Camco. Had a moment of looking at the past. And the Lord said, Todd, do you want to go back to Egypt or do you want to go to the promised land? I said, Lord, I don't want to go to Egypt. He said, well, forget the past. And keep your eyes on the future. Come on, you want, to, you want to live in Egypt or you want the promised land? The promised land comes by putting your hand on the plow and moving forward. Amen. So don't let even your past blessings hold you back. The fourth and final step to setting and reaching God-inspired goals is we need to move forward through faith. Notice what Paul says. He said, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it. but One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now I want you to notice something in his verse. He said, one thing I do, not many things, one thing I do. What was the one thing he did? He said, I reach forward to what lies ahead. Can I encourage you? Reach forward to what lies ahead. Listen, if God's blessed your life, if God's been good to you, don't look in the, don't look in the back of what God's done for you. Hey, you just celebrated that. You thank God for it. Now, this one thing you need to do is you need to reach forward. What does that mean? Reach forward. It's an act of faith. Reaching forward means to extend yourself towards what God has for you on the next season of your life. You see, listen, don't get satisfied with what God has already done in your life. God has a greater level of blessing for you. He will do exceedingly above and beyond anything that you could ask or think. You need to keep reaching forward. In other words, don't give up. Keep pursuing. Keep hungry. Keep thirsting. Keep going after God. Because the greater blessing is right ahead of you. Remember, Israel was to reach forward to the promised land. See, the whole time they were looking back, they were, they were hindering their next level. This is what Paul said. Philippians 1.6, he said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. On the day when Jesus Christ returns. How many of you know he's not finished yet? He's not. Hey, listen. He's not finished yet. You might feel like you're in the wilderness right now. You might have left Egypt, but you're not in the promised land. He's not finished yet. 
It might not be going like you thought it would go, like you wanted it to go, like you wished it would go. Well, he's not finished yet. He's going to continue the work that he started. He's not done yet. Come on, keep reaching forward. We need to reach forward by expecting greater blessings in our life. Let me close by focusing your attention on a verse we started off with. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. This is God's plans. God plans to prosper you. God plans to give you hope. And God plans to give you a future. How many of you think that's a good plan? Why do you need to listen to the Holy Spirit? Why do you need to read the word, follow the word, desire to go after the word? Why? Because God's plan is to prosper you. God's plan is to give you a hope. And God's plan is to give you a future. Now, let me unpack that for you. When God says he's got a plan for you and his plans to prosper you, this is what it means. God plans to, means to get God's help on the journey of life. God plans to give you help on your journey of life. How many of you want that? How many of you like God's help on your journey of life? That's what God plans. It doesn't mean he plans on filling up your pockets with money. What it does mean is he plans on getting behind you. And when you've got to go through the storms of life, he's going to be with you when you go through those storms. Amen. It doesn't mean you're going to be a multimillionaire, but it does mean God will help you whenever you're having marital problems, whenever your children are going AWOL, God's going to help you to get through that. Amen. God plans to prosper you. He says, I'm going to give you hope. That means to be happy. To, to happily anticipate good. Why are you going on the journey and you know God's going to help you? Why are you on that journey? Why don't you anticipate good? Why don't you anticipate good things to happen in your life? If God is a good God, then you should expect good things to happen in your life. Is somebody hearing me in this church today? Amen. And then God says, I got a future. It means to bring the full measure of blessing. Why are you doing God's work? Why are you going on God's path? You can expect good to happen and you can expect God to bring you to the fullness of blessing. Now, why would you forfeit all that to do some worldly, earthly, ungodly goal? I suggest that everybody in this room get them a godly goal, aim their life, focus their life on what God has for them rather than what Satan has for you or rather than what you want for you, or somebody else wants for you, my suggestion to all of us here today is that we set our face like flint to do the will of God, to fulfill the purpose of God. And while we do it, my friends, I think it's going to be hard for us to keep a smile off our face. Because somewhere along the way, regardless of how hard it is, we're going to sense and feel the breath and the wind and the grace of God in our life. Paul was sitting in prison and he said, rejoice, my brethren. And in case you didn't get it, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. The joy. The joy of God-inspired goals. Would you stand with me? Let's let's, uh, ask the question again. Would you just bow your head with me and just close your eyes? What's the focus of your life right now? I mean, what's the drive? What's, what's the thing driving your life? What's, what's motivating you day in and day out? Don't let it be building your business. Don't let it be 
temporal and earthly gets you a significant goal. Greatest goal you could ever focus your life on is to, to know God and to do God's business. Because when it's all wrapped up and it's all over, the only thing that's going to matter, the only thing that's not going to get burned up through the fire of judgment is what we've done for God. Everything is going to burn up like straw. But what we've done for God is going to last. Can you commit this morning and just say, God, what do you want me to do? What is your goal for my life? I don't want to waste my life just getting a paycheck. I don't want to waste my life just playing golf. I want my life to be God-centered. I want the drive in my life to please God, to know God, to experience God. Can you make that decision in your heart? All of this, that all this noise I've been making for the last 30 minutes means nothing. It means nothing unless it motivates us to change the focus of our life and to make a commitment and decision. God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Some of you in this room have a job that you haven't done yet. There's a purpose you haven't tapped in to yet. And your question might be, Todd, what is it? And I say, I don't know. But ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Begin to read His Word. Begin to ask Him, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What's your goal for my life? What's your plan for my life? Set your heart to do that. You're going to start experiencing a new infusion of the joy of the Lord. Come on, let's make a commitment. Father, I pray. You're the good shepherd of our souls. Can you surrender? Can you commit? God, I want to do your will. God, I want to do your purpose. Help me, Jesus. Give me the grace. Give me the power. Give me the strength, Lord, to do your will, to fulfill your goals, Lord. Lord, I pray for release of your presence here today. God, I pray for changed direction today. Lord, I pray, God, help us not to spend our life climbing the corporate ladder, only getting to the top and realize that the ladder is on the wrong goal. It's on the wrong building. God, help us today to get our focus right. Maybe you're here today and you say, Todd, I'm not even a Christian. I've never surrendered. I've never given my life to Jesus. My life has totally been self-focused and and worldly driven. But today I want to get it right. I want my heart to be right. And I want prayer today to, to become a Christian. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just signify that by raising your hand. Just lift up your hand. 
so I can see it. And I want to pray a special prayer for you. Raise it high. I don't want you to be left out. I don't want you to be missed out. Over here, I sir, I see your hand. Anywhere else, come on, the Spirit of God. Right here, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else, it's the Holy Spirit just tugs at your heart. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just say yes right there where you are. And let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood for me. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me into your family. Cleanse my heart. Fill me with your power. Help me, Lord, to do your purpose. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now listen, those of you that raised your hands, listen, I want you to come up right after we dismiss and come talk to me, Pastor Nick. Would you come and, and or talk to Pastor Nick and just let us know you prayed that prayer. We got a gift for you. We want to give you the tools to get started. Amen. How many of you ready to do the goal of God? Are you ready? Amen. Well, God bless you. You're dismissed.